This message is brought to you by danmolerarchive.com, the number one place to search over 2,500 Dan Moeller messages and growing. Now, please enjoy this message. I'll go and preach four different sermons. It's to talk about how we can, can live in a very practical, transformed way, what God intended when He sent His Son, how those truths change us so that within our sphere of influence, we have effect and impact through our lives, that Christ is through us. Amen? Where we're not, not just trying to survive by praying certain prayers and get through the day and make sure we have what we need. It's a very low-level thinking of Christianity, just using God to get through life. He's the giver of life. He puts life in you. Your life's to shine. We are not in survival mode. We're not trying to get by. Right? The gospel kit's not a, the gospel's not a survival kit. The gospel's good news. Yeah? So, uh, yeah, I didn't even realize that when Tommy said that, that, how he was thinking. And I'm not against articles. I think it's amazing that at the end we could all pray. And isn't it cool that it's a priesthood of believers and that people could just pray and see God move last night in our midst. So this girl emailed me from 10 years ago. I got her out. I got her to pray. And this lady had a visual situation in her leg that you could see with your eyes. And that always set, scares people, intimidates people, because you see that thing's looking right back at you. And it's like you go to pray and that thing's like looking at you, right? I'm just being real. And she prayed, but only after she started to cry, right before she prayed and she trembled. And you think you got the wrong girl. No, I got the perfect girl. Because she's not doing this in her confidence. She's not in the name of Jesus, you know, and she's not, she's, she's just trembling and overwhelmed. And she looked up crying. She was ready to pray for the lady and she started to cry. Bless her heart. You just went to hold her. Because everybody's sitting there like this is prayer time, you know. And she breaks down cries and she said this. She said, who am I to say these things and believe these things? Who am I? to do this? And I said, what a great question. I'm glad you asked. And I began to teach identity through Christ and that God predestined all of us before the foundation of the world to be adopted in as sons and daughters. Why adopted in? Because he originally created Adam to be his son. Adam got cut off through sin and separated from God. God didn't want to live separated from man. God didn't want to live separated from man. So he had a plan before the foundation of the world. Jesus, his son, had him become a man born of a woman. That's just incredible that God would value the created purpose of man so much that even when man fell, he didn't change his mind about what he intended. Come on, you and I changed our mind on each other a hundred times over growing up. We judged books by the cover our whole lives. We said, well, they're this and they're that. Well, they did this because they're that. And then 10 years later, you didn't even see them for 10 years, five years or whatever. And you heard their name and still thought about what they did that many years ago. Come on, be real with me. And all of a sudden you read a book by the cover. So you never look at the inner chapters. You never actually get to see what's on the inside or what could be. Because you don't even open the book. You already think you have the book judged, right? Or figured out. Well, God doesn't do that. Love doesn't do that. Love never fails. Right? So, so he looks. So this girl says, who, who am I to pray this way? And I said, I'm glad you asked. 
So I began to share and reiterate the whole sermon and the whole message from that night about how we were created for God's image. And Jesus is here to restore that image back inside of men and, and not just pray a prayer to go to heaven, guys, but put his life and his nature, his wisdom, his motives, his love inside of every believer. Now, why? no one's ever taught me that growing up in Sunday school. They just told me that I have bad tendencies. Jesus is going to forgive me through his blood and just deal with it. You're a sinner. At least he'll forgive you. Stay steady in church. One day he's coming. You want to be in church. That's all I was taught my whole life. That he died on the cross because I was a sinner. So it left me a puzzled, confused, forgiven, I hope, sinner. It has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with the truth. He didn't die because I'm a sinner. He had to die because we all sin. So death was required because of sin. I get it. Yeah, it's very scriptural. He didn't die because I'm a sinner. He died and gave his life and became what I was so that we could be empowered by the Spirit of God and through grace and through his blood to be restored back to what it was he intended for us in the beginning. So we pray this prayer to go to heaven and in most cases continue to live the same life with the same attitude, same frustration, same judgments, same disappointments, same anger. But we say we have new life, but what's new? And we're waiting for a day when we meet him and go to heaven. We preach the gospel this way all over this nation. We say if you leave this service and die on the way home... Are you ready? If not, raise your hand and pray this prayer. And we make it all about the day we die instead of coming alive in Him. Come on. She said, who am I? And I said, I'm glad you asked. Because this isn't a presumptuous thing. We're not boasting in men. We're boasting in God in men. Because apart from Him, you can do nothing. Jesus said, Jesus said, apart from my Father, I can do nothing. So we're not boasting in humanity. We're boasting in God in men, the potential of Christ in us. Paul preached tirelessly and said grace was upon him till Christ be formed in all of us. That sounds a little different than a confession of faith that I'm going to heaven someday and thank God I'm forgiven. Christ being formed in us sounds a little different than God forgave me of all my sins. So I began to share with her and the people how God sees her, what he did through his blood, and, 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 and now he handed her the baton and you the baton. That's what we experienced last night. Handed you and me the baton of the New Covenant, New Testament church, where we could actually step out and begin to believe. Yes. And not let life decide what we believe, but let Jesus' life decide what we believe. And just because you prayed for Uncle Bobby and he passed, you don't have a theology through that because you're contending for something that you learned through Jesus' life. See, we're notorious for letting life speak louder than truth. We're notorious for defining God along the way as life unfolds. But not everything that happens is God orchestrated in God's will. We're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. So the destruction a lot of times we're experiencing is because we don't understand. But we grow up in a world that says what you don't know won't hurt you. Come on, get real with me this morning. I don't know what you came for and expected. I feel a little intense already this morning. 
I'm sorry. I can't apologize for it. It's just in me this way. Just jumped in me this way. Yeah, see, the alarms are going off, man. You better take key. I prophesy. You better take key. You better be warned. <laughs> no, I'm not going to prophesy. <laughs> God is sounding the alarm. Man, he's using your car, buddy. That's amazing. What an honor. And it's your car. God used my car to warn the people. Woo, woo. <laughs> You ought to rejoice, Tommy. Man, I, I, I want more than a confession. I want an expression. I, I want new life. I want change. Yes. See, I went to church my whole life, and by the time I was 18, I stopped going because I was old enough to make my own decisions, I figured, and just finally told Mom, no. And then by the time I was 20, I was done going for good. And then when I was 33, Jesus came into my workplace. Not because he was mad at me. He didn't come and say, when's the last time you prayed, son? I haven't seen you pick up your Bible for a while. He didn't say, hey, when's the last time you've been in a church? Here's what he spoke to my heart. You don't even know if God is really real. That's what he said to my heart. The whole time he just wanted to know me. He just wanted me to know him. I found later in my Bible, Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life. It's not praying a prayer in case you die tonight. Eternal life is knowing him, the only true God. Eternal life is knowing him. Knowing him is transforming. Knowing about him can get super religious. And if your heart's sincere and all you do is know about him, in time you'll get condemned because your knowledge will judge your life. Knowing Him will change you. If you never get to know Him, you'll be reduced to serving Him and doing things for His name instead of doing things in Him. It's a big difference, people. There's churches everywhere. Everywhere. And everybody seems to have their own idea and thing of what it is. But it's not transforming and there's not a light shining through your life and your perspectives aren't transformed and your motives aren't pure then you have to question what it is you really have and believe. We're destroyed for the lack of. So if we get the knowledge, we can stop destruction. So everything that's unfolding isn't orchestrated by God at some administrative desk. Christians grow up with that mindset that everything that happens is God. So then they define God as life unfolds. But if you can't find it through Jesus' life, don't find it in your theology. Because he said, when you see me, you've already seen him. Let's stop trying to find him along the way when we found him through his son. Are you with me? Look, if you need some other verses because you've been trained in this sovereignty thing your whole life and that God, everything that happens is God, let me just share with you, there's more scripture. The power of death and life is in whose tongue? So you could be speaking death and the whole time God's will in life. And you just keep speaking death and you reap what you And you're telling me that's God's will? You're telling me God orchestrated that? You're telling me you go out and just get inebriated and smash into a tree and die that God had that planned for you? No, God had new life planned for you, eternal life planned for you. God had a plan for you. Yeah? Yeah? 
Just some of the stuff we grew up with is so way out there, and for some reason we bought in because we heard it. Well, see? See? God's on this message. I hope you're heeding the warnings. Man, I love that he's using your car because it's making you uncomfortable. I just love it. <laughs> Never seen you squirm like that, Tom. I love it. <laughs> he chose you for this day and moment. <laughs> Heed the warning. See? The whole morning feels intense, so every time I hit this high intensity, we're going to hear his car. <laughs> and it'll be a sign to all of us. <laughs> Long story short, I was trying to tell you about this young girl, and I'd start preaching a hundred other things because I can't help it. <laughs> she prayed for the lady, and the lady completely changed when she prayed. But she didn't pray confident. She didn't try to pray powerful. She was flat out scared. The little girl. She was, she was the most mealy mouth prayer. She just barely spoke. You could hardly hear her, and it was, wasn't anything powerful about it. But you know what? She did it, and she took what I said and said, okay, and she had the strength and the faith to go this direction and actually pray. It's not you, it's not me, it's not her that heals the sick. He heals the sick, but he still tells you to heal the sick. But we know we don't heal anybody. Why? He's expecting us to see him and us as one. That we actually live in him and he lives in us, and when we touch he touches yeah yes we're supposed to get that we're the embodiment the body of that's not heresy that's bible that's not presumptuous that's not thinking of yourself more highly than you are you don't heal anybody in your own strength you're in touch with him you believe his love and compassion is finished work through christ and it stirs faith in you because faith works through love to dare believe that when you speak he'll do something through what you believe so she prayed the lady got instantly healed and it was a visual noticeable thing that took place and it was really cool so she emails me 10 years later and says, hey, I just thought I'd track you down via email. I, I'm sure you don't remember me, da-da-da-da-da. She said, but just to let you know, because of that one night, everything changed for me. She said, currently today, I oversee a ministry in our city. She said, and weekly, we go walk the streets and pray and bless and lay hands on people. She said, not one week goes by. Where we have multiple miracles that we share that are supernatural and testimonies of God restoring people's bodies and people's lives. Because of one night in, 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 in trepidation and fear, she prayed for a lady and God touched the lady. Just one little girl, little, shy looking, timid, but she's overseeing a ministry and they're walking the streets and she's giving her, her Jesus. I know about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? It's just powerful. So last night was fun for me. I stood up here and said, Jesus likes this. I'm telling you, it excites him that you stood up and it excites him that the rest of you stood up to stand with them. And remember I said, you watch and see what he does in the room. And God just started to change and touch and do things in the room. In a very sweet, non-hyped no music, no nothing, no hysterics, no loud rumbles. Six short seconds 
hardly enough time to say what was on your heart. Bam! <laughs> yeah? Because that way you won't get in trouble, you won't get heady, you won't get self-conscious. Stay on point. When you pray for people out in the streets, you don't pray for a long, long time. You respect them. You realize that they're being gracious to even let you into their space. So you don't pray for their four generations and two minutes later you're just now starting to get around to what you're going to play. Don't do that. You just be direct and sweet and short. It could be, Lord Jesus, thank you for just touching them right now. Be absolutely whole. No more pain in Jesus' name. Just be sincere. And ask them. Watch what God starts doing when you start doing that. Amen? Amen. Yes. Amen. So let me... Uh, I want, to, I want to get some things going about knowing him a little bit. I, I know I just said about 10 different things. I hope you glean a little something. It's the way I preach. Uh, they're not rabbit trails. Rabbit trails are distracting. I don't think they're rabbit trails. I think we glean from all these things, right? And there's a, there's, this isn't a huge room, but there's a lot of people in the room in an individual sense. And there's a lot of different levels of where we're all at, different situations. Who knows God has the ability to speak to the whole room? Who knows that every single thing we're saying, if it's true, is for everybody in a sense, but at night, not, not everything might be for you right where you're at right now, but God will say things that are for you. So don't think you have to retain everything you heard this morning or this afternoon or whatever. You grab what God's saying to your heart. Because that's where he's meeting that's where he's starting. You get it? So, knowing him. This, go to, go to, if you have a Bible, I usually just quote this stuff. I'm not sure why I'm turning there. Maybe somebody just needs me to turn there just to say I read it out of my Bible. I don't know. The Lord, he's gracious like that. I usually just preach this stuff and quote where it's at. But if you go to 1 John chapter 4, I preach out of this a lot has to do with knowing him, and it's so convicting, it's amazing. Like, now watch this. Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life. He didn't say that you pray a prayer in case you hit a tree on the way home from service. He said, this is eternal life that you might know him. That's an intimate experiential word if you look it up. It's relational. The word knowing is relational. It's not two plus two is four. It's not gnosis. It's not just knowledge. It's heart. Knowing. This is eternal life that you might So here's the deal. He never made Adam to die. He made Adam to live in him forever because he's eternal. There was no death on the scene. He said the day you eat of that tree over there the knowledge of good and evil. You weren't made for that. You were made for innocence. You were made for my image. You were made for me. Yes. So there's nothing outside of me that you'll ever need to live. Stay away from that tree, the knowledge of good and evil. I, he doesn't want him to even eat of that tree. He said the day you eat of that tree is the day you surely die. Why did he say that? Because there's no death on the scene. Man was made to live forever in God. He didn't make you to die. He made you live. He's the author and giver of. Now, God gets blamed for tons of death. But if you read your Bible, he's the author and giver of life. Amen. Yeah? Amen. He doesn't steal, kill, and destroy. False teaching Come on. in John 10 steals, kills, and destroys. 
He's not even talking about the devil. We always use that as the devil, the thief. If you read the context, he's talking about wrong teaching. Of course, its origin is the devil, wrong teaching. But he's talking about false teaching, wrong teaching. It's a thief. Believing wrong, seeing wrong, thinking wrong, destructive to your life. Why? Destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Worse yet, when you think your knowledge is true and it's not. The way that seems right. Isn't that a problem? It seems right. But if you really look at him and look at his life, you realize a lot of things that seem right are just what we grew up with and were trained by. The wisdom you were trained by. Just the way a man thinks. The way that seems right. Right? Reactionary. Your emotions. You're in contact with your emotions your whole life. They're just sometimes out of control, unmanageable. They seem to live people's lives for them. We live sensual out of our emotions. If we're frustrated, we live frustrated. If we're discouraged, we live discouraged. If we feel lonely, we live lonely. If we feel hurt, we manifest the evidence of her. We live by feelings our whole life. Why? Because every man's for himself. Every man's born into this self-centered lie and he has no identity. And life is revealing and identifying who he is along the way. And it's all built on a lie. That's nothing to do with you and what you're created for. That's why people endear their story so much. They treasure their past so much. Even if it's bad, they're finding identity through it. Because apart from that, they have no identity. People cleave to their story, whether it's good or bad. And they tell it like, and because they're finding identity through what happened, not finding identity through him. And somehow we think we have to take all this to him and get it through him because we think this is who we are when he just separates you from that and calls you out of darkness into light. <laughs> He's so amazing. Like, you don't have to jump through hoops. He doesn't have to go back and touch you in every place you were ever hurt. Amen. He just changes your motive and reason for being. He just puts life and light inside of you. And you see different and become different. Yes. And all of a sudden you realize, whoa, nobody owes me a thing. Man, if people knew who they were, they wouldn't have did what they did. Wow, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. They're blind. They don't see. I used to be, but you gave me light. Nobody has to make up for anything in our lives, people, because they can't. Did you ever learn that in your marriage? You say something you should have never said, and you said you're sorry, but it still lingers. It's still remembered. It still seems to come up. It still seems to matter. And you haven't said anything like that for four years, but in a joke, it comes up that you said it four years ago. Because it's still there. You can't change what you've done. You can't change what you said and didn't say. You can't go back and rewrite one page. So what's God do? He gives this gift called repentance and righteousness and gives you the ability to change. You can't change where you've been, but you can change. And when you change, then you're not the one that was there. And you're not the one that said it. And you're not the one that did it. Comes new, and he'll never see you for that day, he'll see you for this day. That's why he said you have the present and things to come because he doesn't look there. That's good. Amen. 
Are you with me? He doesn't look there. So why do we live there if he doesn't even look there? You see, what do you mean he doesn't look there? He put it in a sea of forgetfulness. He gave you the present and things to come. He said, you're never to look back. You're not Lot's wife. You're his bride. Why are you looking back? Come on. This stuff comes natural to us to just look back. And you don't know what it was like when I was growing up. Well, you don't know what I've been through. Well, tone down, preacher, and be a little more sensitive. Because when I was 10, when I was 12, when I was 3. And we think we got to proclaim all the hell we've been through to even consider trying to move towards heaven. It's not true. What would we accomplish in this room today if we got sentimental and said, okay, let's go around the room and everybody tell their story? If you don't have strong redemptive answers, if you don't have strong truth to apply to it, the only thing you're going to establish at the end of the morning is who in the room's been through the most hell. And then what? Sympathize with them and sing it's all about heaven? The problem is, we're finding false identity through the way it's been. Because Adam lost who he was through sin and separation from God. And death came on the scene. And then you know what death did? Death seized us with fear. And it held men captive their whole lives. And men feared death. Because all they can relate to is natural life today. And they fear death because they don't see past today. And the Bible says that he is the end of the fear of death for everyone that believes. Not everyone that attends church. I'm not being mean. He's the end of the fear of the bondage of death for all that believe. For we've been held captive by that fear and subject to it our whole lives. Why? Because it's perversion. You were never made to die. You were made to live. That's why you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's not the goal. The goal is knowing the Father. The goal is fellowship and relationship with God. The benefit is eternal life. It's not the goal. We make it the goal. We call that the greatest miracle. He just said the greatest miracle is transformation. I totally agree. The greatest miracle is when you put off the old and put on the new. And the price of the blood is redeemed in you and paid in full. And the investment of the blood of Jesus in the earth is the dividend of another sun rising up. Yo, man. Yeah? That gets in you. It changes the way you think and the way you see and the way you believe. All of a sudden you have a new reason for being. You wake up in the morning for a whole different why. You see the people in your life through a different way. And it's called the way. It's Christianity. I'm just preaching Christianity. It seems like it's so radical to people. And they're like, oh, you're intense. Are you kidding me? He's intense. He shed his blood for humanity. He was innocent and chose to die. He laid down his life to give us life. He's intense. I'm pretty laid back. He's intense. Come on, let's not miss this thing and get lulled to sleep by religion and tradition and sing songs that pay homage to Him. Let's let grace change us. Let's be humble. Submit ourselves when nobody's looking. Get along with Him and get to know Him. Because eternal life is knowing Him. Not proclaiming Him. Knowing Him. Yeah? 
me show you the benefit of knowing him and the paradox of not knowing him. Verse 7, 1 John 4. You guys okay? I'm not too intense, right? Some of you that watch YouTube probably know that. So <laughs> I can't help it. It just comes on me like this. He, he gave his life for this, but I don't use that as some kind of stronghold. You never heard me in my life, Christian life, stand up and preach. He gave his life. What are you doing with yours? I don't preach that way. But I can't not be excited and intense and passionate when this thing comes on me. And I realize, man, he went a long way to put himself in me. And I'm not going to wake up today. He said, she said, well, I feel, well, I'm not encouraged. Well, I need prayer. I don't need prayer. I got truth. And it's making me free and changing my eye. Nobody in this room owes me a thing, so you can't break my heart. I think this is a good day already. We're already on the roll. I didn't wake up to get anything from you. I woke up to be like him. I woke up to shine. I woke up to just be more like him. That tells me we're going to have a good day no matter what you believe. Because you can't touch me wrong. I've been touched too right. I've been settled in him. You can't reject me. I'm so accepted it's ridiculous. Like I'll never be alone. I'm never forsaken. I'm never going to die. I'll never be judged. Like apart from him. Wow. I mean, we'll all be judged for our life for the things we did, whether good or bad. I get that. I'm talking about judged apart from him. Like, I'm in. I know that inside me. Like, I'm in. I'll never be away from him. I'll never be lost. Ah! That excites me. You think I believe that? And today I'm going to have people issues, and he said, and I feel, well, they should not. Well, I'm not encouraged. No, that's deception. That's just a sign of not seeing clearly. You're letting natural wisdom dictate your emotions still, your life, and you're letting self-centeredness still have a voice. Be honest with me. If you're discouraged, who's your focus on? You and how things are unfolding and what it's creating, what it's putting you in, and how you have to respond, and how you're overwhelmed, and, but it's all about you. That would be Jesus after a whole day of ministry being thrown and healed in the whole town. And they're trying to figure out what evil spirit's possessing him. And they're not appreciating him and throwing a party. Yeah. And that would be Jesus at the end of the day. Well, I wonder why they don't like me. I wonder why they say those bad things. Lord, I wish you wouldn't let me hear their thoughts. Their thoughts aren't nice. Like, I'm feeling like insecure. Like, somebody should love me by now. Even my own disciples, I mean, they say all the right things, but when it comes right down to it, you show me in prayer, they're all going to scatter as soon as I'm struck. So they're really not for me. Like, they're really for themselves. Could you picture Jesus having a meltdown? Why? Just because he's Jesus? No, because he's love. And that's what he wants to teach us. It's all about love. It's all about becoming love and the power of what love is. And it's not some mushy thing that just says, oh, whatever. Hey. No, there's, I correct people in my life. 
There's times I have to talk straight to people. I don't do it because they offend me. I do it because they're more than what they're thinking in the moment and I care enough about it to bring it up and I'm strong enough and, and understanding my motive enough to be confident that God will back it and it will go into the heart and hopefully bring change. If they don't receive it, at least I'm sowing seed and I'm trying. But I'm not going to stay quiet if I see it's hurting you. If I see your mentality is going to hurt you and quench your productivity and I'm telling you I love you, I'm deceived if I'm not speaking up. Come on. Are you with me? I correct people. I have to correct my children still. And they're, they're older. But I don't do it because I'm mad at them or they're disappointing me. That's actually silly to me. My kids don't owe me a thing. See, a lot of parents find their identity through their children. So they run the risk of their children breaking their heart all the time. And they're only doing as good as their kids are. It's idolatry. It's deception. It's not cool. I'm sorry. It's just straight. Yes, yeah, straight talk. It's true. Some of us dream that our kids dreams for them. We live our lives, their lives for them. And they're set up to disappoint us because they don't go in the way even the Christian parent prayed all those years. But you don't even realize it's self-centered at the core most of the time. And how can you tell that without judging? Because of what their reaction is. What it produces. And you can see it's motivated wrong. Well, I just because I love them. Now stop. Stop. They're cheap words at that point. You're not all broken and hurt and let down because of love. It's because of disappointment. It's not because you love them. It's because you counted on them. You needed them to be that for your identity. And it's subversive and it's not cool. I've watched countless parents take a hard hit when their children were doing bad and lose, totally lose their productivity through the whole season. Now you tell me that's the wisdom of the Lord. You tell me that that's, that's God. It's not. You can't let one person or one thing Dictate who you are unless their name is Jesus. That's what makes him Lord. Lord means to supreme being, ruling factor, governing force, governing source, lordship, the ruling factor, the supreme, preeminent influence in your life. I'm trying to break it down and explain it where you can really understand lordship. The dominating factor, the, the governing factor of your life is the Lord of your life. So if you're saying, brother, I'd be in a better place if it wasn't for this, this, and this. You're being deceived. This, this, and this isn't Lord. It shouldn't matter when it comes to shining. Unless your motive of Christianity is just having a better day. Circumstantially. And that's how the gospel is preached in this country over and over and over. We preach a gospel that blesses us and that is beneficiary instead of transformational. That's the major gospel we preach. Serves men. Doesn't change men. That's why you have discouraged Christians by the score that are 10 churches tomorrow. Then they actually are validated in their discouragement because what they prayed hasn't happened. And when do I get my breakthrough? When's God going to move? And how long do I have to wait? And they're disgruntled, discouraged Christians because their perspective of Christianity is skewed. And somehow they think it's all about what God can do for them instead of how God can make them more like Him in their everyday life so they express Him in their spheres of influence. 
Discouragement is a warning signal that your motive in life is, is skewed. Disappointment, major warning signal. Well, I was just hoping this would work out. Well, I get it, but watch, be careful how far you take that. You know how many people step out in ministry and a ministry vision and they don't even realize because they seem sincere and they're excited and they're praying and they don't even realize they're finding their identity through the work and through the ministry. So when it doesn't happen like they were expecting, they're crushed. They don't even know if they want to ever back, back in the ministry. Sometimes they don't even go back to church anymore. Sometimes they stop even communing, fellowshipping, or praying. Why? Because they had all their chips on the flow of this ministry. And when it didn't work out, they got crushed because they were finding their identity through it. Very dangerous place to live. Watch. Especially if the ministry starts flourishing. Because you're riding a false wave. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? You can only know yourself and find yourself through Him. You can only be complete and fulfilled in Him. I can quote scriptures all about that. To know the love of Christ. To know. To know the love of Christ. To be filled with all the fullness of God. Complete in Him. Right? Watch this scripture. I'm trying to read it. I'm not getting it too far. <laughs> At least too far in reading. Beloved, let us love one another. See, that's not a mushy thing. That's not, oh, I love you. Hey, I love you. To love one, one another means to value one another for their creative value and purpose to prefer others and, and consider others' interests and, and, and actually value the value, value the value of every man's life in why God made man. To realize that everybody has purpose and potential. There's no low life. There's no hot shot. Every mountain's down. Every valley's up. Like, like in Walmart, you have price tags, barcodes, price checks. You've got different products everywhere. It's Superstore. It's ridiculous. And, and they got all that on computer, and everything has a barcode and a price. And all you have to do is scan it, and the price pops right up. And so and there's things from hundreds of dollars to $195. Right? But if you look at the store of humanity, if you would purchase human beings like God did, what's on the head of every man? The same price. Come on, it's evidence. The same exact cost to redeem every life means every man has the same value. And we haven't lived that way. We're, we're trying to gain reputation, notoriety, a name. You want people to honor you. Some people want to be a superstar. Some people want to be a rock star. Some people want to be a celebrity. Some people are in a dangerous social media world and they're trying to be noticed and the more things they're looking at is how many dislikes and who said what bad because they internalize it and it makes them insecure and they take it to heart. Uh-huh. You, just, you post something and you can't wait to see what people said. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. So you're living from moment to moment and your identity is hinged on the moment. That's not cool. That's why people live up and down. That's why people are doing good and not so good. I don't even know what this means, but they say, Doing good for now, and that's not wood. Not going wood. And they just mean everything circumstantially seems pretty cool. Hope it stays that way because that's why I'm cool. 
But if that changes, I change. So you just live for the moment. Everything's good for now, knock on wood. Meaning I'm a circumstance away from not being okay. Come on, that has to be weak in disguise. That can't be cool. Are you guys okay? Are you good? Are you okay? Good. Beloved, let us love one another. It's what love is. Love doesn't seek its own. That's why it takes no account, no account of the wrong done to it. Well, I meant well. Well, you just really hurt me. I tried to do nice things and you just don't ever appreciate it. See, when you're crying like that and fussing like that, guess who you're doing it for? You're doing it for you. And you're feeling better about how they dote over what you did. So when they don't dote, you got issues. Come on, we don't even realize how selfish our giving is. <laughs> like people will buy somebody a gift and cry and say, you don't like it? And they're crying because they don't like it. This is not an exaggeration. This stuff happens. <laughs> well, I just love you. I just wanted to bless you. I thought you loved that color. Oh, stop it. You're crying because you're not getting the fulfillment of what you were hoping when they went, oh, you should have. You're the best friend ever. You are so amazing. And you're like, <laughs> And when they look and go, and you just have that face. They open it up and you say, you don't like it? Look, I know that face. Like, you're my best friend. You don't like it? Well, I, that's not my color. I thought you loved that color. That's never been my color. No, you're kidding me. Uh, and next thing you know, you're actually crying. Because they didn't like the color. When if you really bought it for them, you ought to say, well, what color do you like? Let me go make it right because I want to bless you. Oh my Why are you crying and trying to get them to accept your attempt? Because you're finding identity through even what you do. Are you seeing? We all grew up in that lie. We all grew up in that reference. We all grew up living apart from him. We were all born into Adam. Right? The Bible says in Romans, every man was born into Adam. So you were born into what Adam became after sin, separation from God. Even though you were raised up in your parents, five even said, now I lay me down to sleep, you know. And you prayed over your food and we're, we're little and we go to those vacation Bible school. I'm not saying it's wrong or bad. We just have this form of God. We have this sense of God. We have this sometimes knowing of God. I remember being little and just laying on my bed and thinking about if God was real. And I'd look up the clouds every once in a while just as a kid and think, is he really up there? Because he didn't treat me because people talk about God. Is he really real? And I always felt in my heart he was real. But isn't it amazing when I got saved and then I got saved, the impression came you don't even know if God's really real. So I had no knowing of him. Knowing of him. Knowing him has changed his own Right? So I'm, I'm trying to get to this. A couple people just walked in, so they're up to speed. We're talking about relationship and getting to know God. Not just serving God, not just doing a ministry, not just serving in a ministry and letting all the things we do that are Christian take the place of knowing Him. We want relationship. He wants relationship. Yes. Jesus isn't, He never said He's the way to heaven. That's what we said. He said He's the way back to the Father. And the Father's eternal and will never die in Him, just like I taught from the beginning. He never made man to die. That's why man lives forever through Jesus, because He redeemed all things. So He brought us back to the original purpose. Yes. 
But if God made man in his image, we talked about it last night, God is love, right? He doesn't do love, he is love. Isn't that what God is? Is that Bible? God is love. So if God made man in his image, he couldn't have had a head and arms and legs because God's spirit. So he gave man flesh to act out love. So it's like this human puppet show in a sense, but it's more than a puppet show. He gave you flesh to act out what's on the inside. You know them by their fruits. So the perversion on the earth is man didn't just sin. He took on the nature of God's enemy and gave, became completely prideful, completely selfish. He didn't just sin. There was a shift that took place. He took on the nature of what he was never created for himself. That's why you're hurt so easy when you're young. As you get older, it's so normal. You're just hurt because we just have basic rules and you shouldn't have said that or you shouldn't have did that. They did what? Oh my. You must be devastated. <laughs> why? Because it's just been all about you. All about you. All about you. Like nobody had to teach you to be angry. It came naturally. But you couldn't even speak English. Your mom had had to take the pinky out to wipe your face and you were screaming, changing colors because you weren't done with it. <laughs> just, it's okay, honey. I just want to... Ah! <laughs> you can just mess with it. <laughs> you telling me God made that from the beginning? As cute as little kids are? You, you sit them down out like little tiny, they don't even talk, they don't even say sentences yet. You just sit them down, they're both playing with a little toy. And you, there's a toy laying on the floor, it doesn't look too attractive. It's like a plastic piece of fruit or something. And he's got a Lego thing, and this guy's got a Transformer thing, and he's like... And all of a sudden, for some reason, he reaches down and touches that plastic fruit. And this little guy's sitting there playing with his little truck or whatever it is. And he sees him touch that little fruit. It's on now. Because all of a sudden, he wants the fruit. Now, neither one even cared about the fruit until the other one touched it. You're telling me God did that and made that. That's what happened when Adam ate the tree and man became solely, completely all about himself. And all of a sudden, these two little guys, they can't even speak sentences. They're just like... Right? And they say a few words like... Mama, da, da. No! Mmm! Mine! Yeah? You never talked like that, did you? <laughs> you make me want to hug you! You got a little summer sun thing going on, oh my goodness. So what? So what? They grab that thing, and next thing you know, they both get a grip on it. Mmm! Mmm! Mine! And somebody's gonna get it. And the one that doesn't get it is screaming and crying, and the one that gets it might even thump him for that. <laughs> you told me God did that? You're telling me that was from the beginning. People say, well, God, again, you talk about not living sensual and emotions. God gave us emotions, brother. He did not give you the emotions you grew up with. Adam gave you them. And all your emotions are a reaction to your motive in life, and it's self-centered. That's why fear is so easy. That's why anxiety is so normal to people. Because they live for their own well-being, security, and self. Wow. Perfect love. Perfect love. We always think 
Being loved by God perfectly casts out fear because he protects us and keeps us safe. So that's how we always interpret that. But wonder if you start to get perfected in love. And love doesn't seek its own. Wonder if love casts out all fear because love's not selfish and you don't have yourself to be concerned for. Hello? See, love's not a mushy thing. Love's a holy and pure and powerful thing. It sees people with a right motive with a healthy eye. So even if they do wrong, you know they have a higher truth waiting to be manifested in their life. And you hear Jesus' words on the cross, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Isn't it awesome that Jesus didn't throw a fit on the cross? Isn't it so amazing because he's a teacher? He's teaching us truth. He said, don't let any man be your teacher. You have one. He's the Christ. Well, then if what I know didn't come from him, I better question what I know. Come on. And a lot of people in pride will just fight this. Oh, well, I don't even know if the Bible's true. I don't know if Jesus. Well, that's just so old. I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. And you're just holding on to human wisdom and finite mind. And it just takes humility and faith to just say, wow, and step this way. And God changes things. Yes. Aren't you glad that Jesus wasn't hanging on the cross going, Are you kidding me? What are you doing? I did nothing but good. You show me one thing I did wrong. I healed your sick. I raised your dead. I cleansed your lepers. I fed your bellies. You can't even this is not going to happen. Why? He's love. He's not carrying the cross. He gets halfway to go about that, and all of a sudden it just hits him. It dawns on him. Are you kidding me? Look, oh, they're kidding. Lord, I ain't taking another step. I ain't dying on that cross. They hit me with one more step. I'm going to do all this good to you, all these people, and they're going to treat me like this. They're going to shout out. That's all of an insult. I go, you know, you can only take so much, Lord. I mean, when they yelled out for Ravis, that just hurt. He killed a man. I raised the dead. He causes conspiracy. I'm trying to make peace here. And they're going to release him and kill me. I've had enough. See, why do we think that way? If we put the language we grew up with in his mouth, that's exactly what he'd say. And it would make an entertaining, heartbreaking talk show. You say, well, he can't talk like that because he's the Lord. He can't talk like that because he's love. Because love doesn't seek its own and love never fails. So love looks like this. Forgive me, Father. They don't know what they're doing. What's he saying? We know the truth about them. They're more than this. They can be so much more. And where sin abounds, grace is coming greater. Yes. Yeah, and if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. He's not saying, well, a bunch of knuckleheads, if they don't see it by now, they ain't never going to see it. If they didn't change by now, why do we think they'll ever change? If I did all this good and they're calling out my good evil, they're really farther away than I thought, Lord, and I ain't dying on no cross because I ain't confident they'll ever change. See, it's not a self-serving thing. Love lays down its life. It's not if. It's just I love you. And he leaves love to lay right there where it is. And let your heart decide. It works. 
grace and the person of the Holy Spirit. So that the goodness of God, not the reprimand, not the judgment the preachers are so quick to talk about. No one yet has showed me a scripture concerning judgment that transforms lives. But I can show you scripture where the goodness of God does. And when you see his first love, not his judgment, you love him. When all you see is his judgment, you think you're serving him, but you're never sure you're serving him well and you live condemned and far from him. So then you never have intimacy, so you never get pregnant and have things that look like his father. Because nothing's reproduced without two coming together. And if your view of God keeps you from him and all you do is serve him, you are lost in division. And you're not doing well. Now I'm saying that straight. You okay? Makes you want to cry. You think of all the projections on God and what we make God out to be your whole life growing up and the things you hear about him and how people are mad and he left this and he did that. We prayed and prayed and he didn't. Well, I don't want nothing to do with it. When I get to heaven, I got a good question or two for the Lord. You have no clue what you're even saying in your delusion. It's only by mercy that day's coming because we've been so lost. And we get so proud and audacious, we think somehow we've been right. So we mark him with one wrong, one circumstance. Our, our, our mind turns into judge, jury, and verdict. And all of a sudden, a little moment of natural wisdom, you just forget about all the mercy you've needed your whole life. And you hold God accountable for one thing you think you haven't figured out for. But it cost you your relationship with him. It cost you your view of him. Therefore, it cost you intimacy with him. So you'll never give birth to anything that looks like him. It's all about knowing him. Look. I, I know this just stretches people. You're not used to this language in church. But maybe, maybe we've been more religious than real. But there ain't no two people coming together for a super long time without somebody in those two people, somebody getting pregnant. Unless they're working hard not to get pregnant. Oh, yeah. The whole goal is you coming together to become one with him, to be with him, to be intimate with him, so that everything that comes out of your life looks like him. Some people just want to be touched by God. Some people just want to feel his love. Some people just want to know he's close right now because he's like, oh, would you think anything? Oh. You better be careful that you're not just living from moment to moment, experience to experience. You're not a concubine, you're his bride. You don't serve the king and brush against him now and then. Come on! Them kings, man, some of them had hundreds of concubines. Yeah. Could have been months before their name was called. And if you didn't really impress the king, you wouldn't get called again. So they could serve the king for three years and never see him face to face. Wow. Do you 
you how many Christians live that way? Yeah. And they just do things for him and in his name. But they live insecure. They don't feel complete. They're half condemned. They're not sure about They don't feel good about themselves. And they don't ever see you in his face. Don't you live that way? While you were yet a sinner, he sent his son. While you were getting it all wrong, he came to make it right. He loved you when you were living unlovely. Because he said, I know who you're calling created to be. And my love never fails. Why? He doesn't seek his own. He's not. You know how, I don't know about you, but my parents, well, my mom, not mine. She did it when I was real little because she thought it was a good tactic. She said, well, you just hurt the heart of God. Well, you just made God angry. Well, you just broke God's heart. But you just made the devil glad. <laughs> just flipping it like it all the time. So it left me with an impression that I could actually offend God just like I could have offended you. In the offense sense, like, like the, where he's not going to forget it and he's got issues with me. He loves me. Like, I realize now in my life, he wasn't all broke up and tore. Well, I can't believe Dad. I just, I just feel so hurt. No, he's hurting for me. Where sin abounds, grace comes even greater because he's crying out saying, you're so much more than that, boy. You're created for more than that. No, don't go there. No, that's not who you are. No, that's not who you are. He wasn't going, I can't believe he did that. Jesus, did you actually shed your blood for him? See, we've done that to one another in human wisdom. He's come and loved us through the way. And he wants us to step into his way. Yes. So now I think I've laid enough foundation I can finally read this now. Because <laughs> I read one line and I get to loving one another and i got to talk about what that really looks like. Because we think loving one another just tends to be a mushy thing. We just have feelings and emotions for each other. So I love you. I love you. love you. Those three words have caused more pain on the earth than any three words ever spoken. Why? Because we say them in a manipulative, self-centered way because people need to hear the words because they want to believe they're lovable. So we buy into the words, not the life. It's, it's, it's an emotional, messy story in a lot of relationships. Fall out, ah, fight cats and dogs, separate for three days, come back together, oh, I missed you, I missed you, I love you. And then falling apart. It's messy. Isn't that gross? But it's emotional. <laughs> I love you. No account of the wrong done to me. No account. No phone call, tear. Can't believe what they said. Keep us in prayer. No account. What's love do? Wow. If they really knew who they were, they wouldn't have been saying that or doing that. Oh my goodness, this reveals a real situation. There's either a lot of deception, overwhelmed feelings right now, but either way, this isn't truth, and they're not walking in it, and I'm not going to be hurt by it. They don't owe me anything. What do you mean they don't owe you anything? They're your spouse. No, I owe no man anything but to love. I'm on the earth to be like him. I'm on the earth to shine. Watch this. I'm not on the earth to be loved by my wife. I'm on the earth to be his son and shine. If that's not first, I'll never be able to love my wife. I'll always need her and call it relationship. That's true. Hello? Wow. Are you
you guys okay? I'm not on the earth to be loved by you. I'm on the earth to be like him. Let us make man in our image. I said it last night. I'll be a little redundant to the people that were here, but it will never hurt to say it again. The people that weren't here can hear it. God made man to love, not need it, be. We make our whole Christian journey about being loved. And the goal of being loved by him is to restore you back to what he made you, love. 1 Timothy 1.5, the goal of our instruction, the purpose of the commandment is love. The whole reason he came is to restore us back to that which we were made for, to love. Not be loved, be loved. So we receive his first love get transformed by it, see through truth, and see each other the way he saw us. And the end result is us becoming what he is towards us. So he says, wow, this is very convicting. Beloved, let us love who? Why would we do that? Not everybody's living lovable. Watch. For God is love, for love is of God. Now watch this. Everyone. How many people? Everyone. Come on, when the Bible's writing this, this is all inclusive. Everybody's in this list. Everyone that loves is born of God and knows So if you love, the Bible says the reason you love is why? Because you're born of God and you know Him. It's not because you're a good person. Because apart from him, you don't have the capacity to agape be loved people like God loves people. You get it? So the reason you love is because you know God. Remember, this is eternal life that you might know him. know him, the only true God. Not theology, him. Are you with me? Yeah. Now watch. He who does not love, he who loveth not, what? Doesn't know God. Watch. It doesn't say he doesn't go to church. It doesn't say he doesn't pastor. It doesn't say he doesn't lead worship. It doesn't even say he doesn't see his need for a savior and see his need for forgiveness. It says if he doesn't love, he doesn't know God. Why? Because God is Love. love, which means it's the only way for me to become love is to know him. Yeah. And knowing him is transforming. And it tells me in them verses that it's impossible to know him and not be changed by him. So the evidence of knowing him is your love. Amen. Not your offense, not your rightness, not he said, she said, not what I feel, well, they did, well, they shouldn't. Well, how come? Well, I'm going to another church. There is no one, please hear me, I'm not being mean, just hear me clear, this is sobering. There is no one on this planet that truly has this and doesn't have this. Because the whole reason for this is this. Amen. So don't you hide behind words. Oh, well, I just spent so much time, well, I'm just in my own little place with Jesus. You're not on an island on a honeymoon alone. 
It's, it's like people hide behind language because they're so full of hurt. Like, like some people really do like pets and animals, they really do. But if the raw truth is gonna come out one day, some of the reasons people are surrounded by so many cats and dogs is because they'll never hurt them because they've been hurt by so many people, they just rather surround themselves with animals and miss their calling. <laughs> then we do a thousand pet shows and kitty shows and puppy shows and almost idolize animals because they're unconditional lovers. That's what you're called to be. Amen. Wow. Not receive unconditional love, become unconditional love. Amen. And if you would become unconditional love, you wouldn't be so hurt that you don't value men and that you value animals more than men. So you get hurt by people and surround yourself with animals because they, they'll just lick you anyway. <laughs> oh, it's happened. I've pastored. I'm in the middle of stuff. I discern things and I'm a straight shooter and I'd rather make you offended at me than hide the truth. And I have pastored these situations and had some real situations where people are hurt deep in wounds so they have three kitties that lay all over them and they lay and hold their kitties and they're just in love with their kitties. They don't even need to get out of the house, they just got their kitties. And it's not because I'm not fond of kitties, I'm really not that fond of kitties. There's something about their disposition, they're just they're haughty, they're, they're lazy, they're prideful, and they think they own the world. They definitely came. When Adam ate the tree, cats popped out of the earth. If you look at their disposition, they weren't from the beginning. And a good old-fashioned dog, he was probably already there. But a kitty, kitty just lay on the top of your couch. He owns your house. And he's sure he owns you. And I'm just not cool. And you look at their eyes, they're the wrong way. Their eyes, are, they're, they're turned the wrong way. Something needs to come out of them. But anyway, that's just my personal impression and opinion. That's not gospel, but I think I'm right. <laughs> I just pictured Adam eating the tree and thorns popped out on branches and snakes grew fangs and got poisonous and poison ivy just sprung out of the earth and all of a sudden cats just popped up. <laughs> like when he ate the thing, perversion came to creation. <laughs> So, you know, you say everything that's made was made from God. Well, I understand everything that was already here. But he didn't make poison out of it. That's the perversion of creation, and all creation is groaning. He didn't make poisonous snakes. He didn't make things that you touch them and you die. He made you to have dominion. That stuff wasn't even here. That's why I figured cats weren't either. But it <laughs> It's kind of ironic, we grew up, I never liked cats, man, at all. And my little sister got a kitty when she was real little, so we were forced to have a kitty in our house. And oh my goodness, he would lay everywhere you had to see him. He'd lay at the top of the TV and let his tail hang down over the screen. And you're like, I, I had this love-hate relationship with him, like I would make him hiss him. I, and then at times he, you know, I'd end up petting him for some reason. I was just having a delusional day, I don't know. But when, when he got old, he lived like 16 years. I don't know how, because I wasn't praying for him. <laughs> but my sister called me. She's nine years younger than me. She called me crying and hysterical, and her little kitty couldn't breathe. And she was holding it. And that was my little sister. And I said, oh my goodness, I'll come. So I shot over to the house, and she's crying. 
She loves her little kitty. She had it from teeny tiny and 16. And we ran it right over to the bed. And I wasn't born again yet. So it wasn't the Jesus nature in me. I didn't do anything bad or anything. I'm in there and the cat can't breathe and his lips are turning blue. And she's freaking out. That's her kitty. She says, I don't know what to do. And I said, just get in here. I'm holding her dying cat. So I finally, I just boldly ran back the hall. We couldn't stay in the waiting room anymore. My sister's falling apart. The cat can't breathe. So I hustled back the hall. I said, look, I'm sorry. Forgive me. You need help. My sister's falling apart. She's 16 years old. She's had it since she was four. And I need more kitten. It's just hard. And the lady took one look at the lips and oh my goodness, the vet came out and he had a little thing and he just, I held him and he's giving the shot while I was holding And he died in my arms. And I thought, how ironic. I picked up that cat, got clawed by that cat, smacked that cat a thousand times. <laughs> Not in a bad, hurtful way, just get out of here. And he dies in my arms and it brought tears to my eyes. And I thought, I don't know what's going on right now. So there I am standing holding a dead cat in my arms. It was my sister's and I'm crying. And my sister just came on and said, it's okay. Look, it happens. He's 16. You had a long time with him. And you were thought I was a preacher the way I consoled her. And I wasn't even saved yet. So I just told you that story. You know, I'm, I'm not a hateful guy. I just don't prefer cats. But I actually cried when my sister's cat died. So I thought it was ironic that I held it. All shoot story. Yeah. I might have gotten a little worse towards cats since then. I'm not sure I can cry. <laughs> if you don't love, there's not two reasons. There's not one of two reasons. There's one reason. Come on, this is sobering. He didn't say you don't see your need for a Savior. He didn't say you're not sincere about the ministry you're serving. He didn't say any of that. He just very simply said, if you don't love, there's one reason. You don't know him like you can. Come on. So if you're just getting in, caught in selfish tangents, if you just, see, like, like I'll pick on this family a little because I like them all. So I got this, are you all family? So I got this whole family right here. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six people in this family. Oh my goodness, see? When two people come together, Somebody's going to get pregnant. You're living proof, are you? You're filling a row. Oh, my goodness, I've got one that's old. So here's a perfect example. It's the whole family. Kids are getting a little older, right? Are you big brother or you like the oldest? Yeah? Okay. So these guys get a little older, so you just little and young, but they hear more than you realize. But watch this. So they got a family. They got one at home, one cooking. One, two, three, four sitting here. So you got five and one all the way. And a husband and a wife. This is the family. You can just have two or three in your family, but here's a whole row. On need bus. You want these kind of families coming to your church, brother? It just fill the rows. <laughs> Watch this. Here's what love looks like. Here's what it doesn't look like. When you love, the Bible says you lay down your... So love, the definition of love is he that lays down his life for another. Wow. What's the opposite of laying down your life for another? <laughs> Living at the expense of. Come on, think with me. What happened when Adam ate the tree? Everything got perverted. 
Love got turned into self-centered expression. So instead of laying down your life for others, that's why Jesus came and died and laid down his life. We don't understand. We just, we know, we technically know he had to die because we sinned. But he's showing us what love looks like. He's showing us why we're on the earth. To lay greater love hath no man than this. He lays down his life. He's not just saying this is reserved for me. He's calling us all into it. Did you ever notice he didn't say sing to me and pray to me when you're in trouble? He said follow me. He must have modeled the life we're created for. So if love lays down its life for another, then the perversion of love, the opposite of love, the 180 twist of love, is live at the expense of another. Instead of how can I lay down my life for you, how can I live at your expense? It's the total opposite. So watch this. Here's a family right here. If just one of these in this family just cops an attitude, just gets moody. It could be the parents, it could be the children. Watch. You're all called to love, but watch the perversion. If you're in a family like this, and you cop an attitude for a half a day, for two hours, you just go to your room, one of your kids just go in your room, you just don't want to talk about it, you just leave me alone, right? You're just feeling that, leave me alone. And if one of your sister's brothers comes, tries to call me, and says, get away! Mom or dad, says, I'm not ready to talk, whatever. When you live like that in a family that's not producing life and you have an attitude that's putting the rest of the family under the pressure of your attitude and demanding them to have to respond to you, you're living in a perverse expression of why you're here. It's total creates chaos. It's self-centeredness. And the Bible said it invites every evil work. Now it takes people that walk in love in that family to not take it personal, not get hurt, and not to multiply and add a fuel to the fire your hoping goes out. That's why anybody can make peace and walk in love, but it takes two to tango. But this is what a family's called to. You say, well, I don't live at the expense of people. You live with a counterproductive attitude that's not producing life within your home. You're living at the expense of the fabric of your home. And we're so desensitized and dulled through life that we think it's normal and everybody has their moments. And hey, brother, get real. You're out of balance. We're all going to live that way. No, that's your justification for living that way. So you'll never repent. You'll never change because you think that's who you are. See, in my own heart, I'm my best accountability partner. I don't need you to call me to see if I'm on track. If you had to call me to see if I'm on track, I need to look at my heart. Yeah? Come on, I realize addictions and struggles, there's a season where people might need to really walk you through something. I get that. But if you just say, well, I just need accountability partner. Why? To make sure you pray? <laughs> you're not praying to qualify. You're not reading your Bible to qualify. You're reading your Bible to know Him. You need me to call to say, did you read your Bible today? That's legalistic and weird. <laughs> Come on. I'm my best accountability partner. I have to live with me. I have to live with my own conscience. And it's alive. It's tender. My conscience to me is more valuable than my human heart beating. Because if it's violated, I shipwreck my faith and I'm dead even though I live. Come on, it's impossible to please God without faith and fulfill why you're here. So if I have a violated conscience, my life is really boogered up. So I, I guard it and I keep it. I'm my best accountability partner. Because there's no secrets within my conscience. We know there's no secrets in God, but if God's not really real, that doesn't shake you too much. But your conscience is real. So you either dull that and get that desensitized, or you keep that thing clear. 
I know what makes me tick. I know why I'm talking to you. I know why I travel and preach. I know why I say what I say to my family. I, I know me. I know the why about my life. Right? I gotta hold myself accountable and keep myself in that place. You're your best accountability partner. Watch this. There's no place in my heart now that I see what I see and share what I share and become what I've become by the grace of God. There's no capacity in my heart to, to, to feed, introduce, promote, or continue animosity within my home. You're not gonna pull me into it. I'm just telling you, I'm way, that's not gonna happen. I see different. So you can't sell me, well, everybody has their moments. No, stop, that's why you have yours. Don't sell everybody into your basket. That's why you have yours. Because you believe what you're saying. It's a justification for not being like him. Don't try to sell that to me when I'm not for sale. I'm bought with a price and I'm not my own. So don't try to sell me into that weak expression and say everybody has their moments. No. Raise your accountability. Clear, clear your conscience. Make yourself accountable. Pull yourself out of the permission slip of fire and back. And start overcoming evil with good, toning down a harsh word with a kind word. Start letting love cover a multitude of sin. Start letting mercy triumph over judgment. Do any of these sound like scriptures? <laughs> I've read that book. That book behind me is amazing. It'll teach you how to live, it'll teach you who you are. And in teaching you who you are, it'll teach you how to live. So that's what it means to love. If you don't love, there's one Bible reason. You don't know him like you can. So where am I heading with this? I'm wrapping up. You see yourself the way he sees you through his son. So you get that veil off. So you stop feeling unworthy. So you stop identifying with what you've been and where you've been and what you've done. And you start identifying with his vision for you, his identity towards you, his love for you. He pulls you out of darkness into the light. He says, come to me. I'll give you rest. And you come to him and you realize, oh my goodness, he loves me, not for where I've been and what I've done, he loves me for what I'm created to be, for my calling, purpose, destiny. He restored all things, he's redemptive. He brought me back to my original created value and purpose, the blood speaking better things. So you come to God because he loves you and you see his first love. And guess what you do? You absolutely love him. Not serve him, love him. Oh, there's a difference. And then he says, if you love me, you'll do the things I say. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey me. He's not saying, if you love me, you'll obey me. He's not saying, obey me and prove your love. He's saying, if you love me, you'll do exactly what I say. Why? Because you love me. Wow. That's why he says he doesn't desire sacrifice. He desires, desires obedience, not sacrifice. Why? Because when you obey him, you reveal you love him. That's why you obey because you love him. You see his first love. Nobody loves him first. If you don't see his first love, you'll get reduced to serving him and doing things in his name. Serving in a ministry and letting that take the place of knowing him. But that won't help when you're done wrong. Your heart will still react to the old way. That's why so many Christians live disheartened, discouraged, disappointed. That's why so many people are sure they need so much prayer. We don't need as much prayer as we think. We need truth. Truth makes you free. And he who the Son makes free is free indeed. If you're just praying to feel better, it might be time to believe better. Because believing will dictate how you feel. 
Yeah? You're just living to get through the moment. You're going to need it again and again and again. You're just going to say, oh boy, this is going to be one of them days. I'll call Freddie. He'll pray, man. He's a prayer warrior. That dude will pray me through. <laughs> and Freddie's not careful. He's finding identity in the fact that you need him. And he prays, you boast in. He's this and that. And all of a sudden, Freddie's the prayer warrior. And forgets he's a son first. We run these risks all the time in ministry. Are you with me? So how do you wrap something like this up? Probably just going to read here and then we'll wrap it up. It's, it's pretty easy. We're coming back at two. At least I am. I am. Tommy will be here. We'll be here now. We'll talk the gospel. If nobody else comes, we'll talk the gospel. He who doesn't love, he doesn't know God. Why? Because God is love. In this, The love of God was made seen and known towards us, manifest. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world. That we might live through Him. Did you hear why He sent His Son? Did He send His Son so you can go to heaven someday? Or that you might live through Him? Oh, I got this kind of evidence all through the Bible. <laughs> It's amazing how the self-centered twist of humanity has crept into our gospel preaching. How so many Christians are Christians for themselves. For a better day, for more provision, for protection over their kids. They pray for self-serving reasons. That's why they're always living on edge and up and down and never sure how they are. That's not cool. Like if you're a Christian for you, you're in big trouble. Because it has nothing to do with Christianity. You're a Christian for His great name. You yes. seek first the kingdom of God, yes. not your well-being. In fact, the Bible says, unless you love less, the most intimate list in your life, unless you love less your mother, your father, your spouse, your children, your houses, your land, and yes, your own life, you'll by no means ever be my disciple. That means you'll never fulfill with a whole heart what I called you for and created you for. Unless you love less this intimate list. Now watch. Most people are Christians for the well-being of that list. And he said, unless you love it less, you'll never fulfill why you're really here. Because something on that list will get you trepidatious, concerned, fearful, watching. Sometimes the only reason we pray is because of trouble. And we're driven by life instead of the giver of it. Are you with me? I hope you're okay with all that. Just feels right. I got my Bible. I got all this green. It's dark green. It's dark green because it all means love. In my Bible, green is love. So look at that. That is a lot of love happening right there. <laughs> so if I just want to have a little love fest, I just turn pages and read green, man. I'll just read green for like an hour. But I was having trouble. Yeah, I got the light above me and I have a dark green. I'm like, okay, Lord, I know my eyes are blessed. That's why I was reading slow. So I have it, I can hardly see it. Watch this. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the mercy for our sins. So it's not that we loved Him first. This is love. He sent His Son. 
Isn't it awesome that it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son? You can get familiar with the scripture like that. You can just be a Christian scripture and you miss the point. It doesn't say, watch what it doesn't say. For God was so frustrated, exasperated at wit's end with humanity that he finally sent his son. No, what he's saying is no matter how man has performed, he hasn't changed his mind about man and he knows why man's here because he knows from the beginning. So he loves what he created man to be. So he made his son become a man, fulfill what man failed, curse what was killing us, sin on the cross. So sin shall have no dominion over us. God cursed sin in the flesh, not his son. He cursed sin in the flesh. Sin has no dominion over us. For the law of the spirit of life through Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. We sin, we die. He dies, we live. It's powerful. It's not a passport to heaven. It's a restoration back to why we're all here. And we got to put off the old and put on the new. That's why I never stop talking about it. When I stand up, there's so much I could preach on. I'm not boasting right now. I've spent so much time in this world with them. You name a topic, I could preach it right now and share the scriptures involving it. I just could. It's in me. It's the Lord. It's fun. It's good. But I get up here and I don't even preach all that. So I preach the same thing over and over, weekend after weekend after weekend. I feel like it's the heart cry of God. And He wants to transform us and get us in agreement with the why behind why He sent His Son. Because it's just not cool to sing holy as the Lamb and just live in unconvicted animosity within your home. It's just not cool to go to work and complain about your boss and not see his value and weep for him. It's just not cool to pass by people every day that are made for his image and the blood speaking better things and get annoyed and, and, and frustrated and impatient. It's not normal. It's perversion. It's not cool. And I'm not preaching it legalistic. I'm saying God wants us to see why he sent his son. And it's not a self-serving message. It's a transformational message that costs you yourself. That shouldn't be hard. The only thing you're giving is what you never were anyway. You're just giving back the lie, the perversion. You're made for His image. You're giving up what man became through sin. You're giving back that so you can obtain Him. And you're being restored. And now you're going to grow up into Him in all things and keep this message in front of you and weigh your heart every day and why I'm alive, why I'm living. Who I am in Him. Yea, I wake up to shine. I wake up to be. Yeah? Or you can go to church, sing all amazing songs, serve in a ministry, pluck your offering, get thrown into crisis and react like the man that never went to church and called out Christianity. It's not true. Called the shine. To shine. Without trying. Just because of what you believe. Your attitude shines. Your perspective shines. Your disposition shines. Your patience shines. It's not because you're trying to be patient. It's because love is patient. It's so simple. So you get alone and you be with Him. And you sit on your bed and you talk to Him. And you get personal. And you don't just pray your list of everything you need. You just talk to Him. Wow, you have a great destiny for me. No matter where I've been and how I seem like I failed, and no matter what lies I believe about my life, you see a lot better. You believe a lot, a lot better. 
to the tune of the blood of your son. Jesus, you actually came and died. Your blood is speaking right now on my behalf. Better things. I receive your love. You know what? I'm done with condemnation. I'm done looking back. I'm done with yesterday. I'm done with regrets of how I should have raised my kids better and how I wish I'd have done this different. I can't change that, but I can change right now by your grace. In this moment, I'm on to this thing. I see you have given me a destiny. And I am not saved waiting for that trumpet to blow and just saying, thank you, my name's in a book called Life. No, no, no. I'm living every day in you and life's in me. And I thank you for this new journey. God, I'm going to grow up into this thing. And you begin to talk to him and get this truth so ringed in you that it begins to teach you and your heart responds, your emotions respond, your responses respond through what you believe. And all of a sudden you're not thrown into crisis, stopping, looking, listening, trying to rehash the last three sermons you heard Pastor Tommy preach in the moment. You're too late. No, you hear and become. And when the storm comes, you're ready. Something's been built. You're not stop, look, and listen. It's not crossroads Christianity. Where do I go from here? Which way is ours? <laughs> it's not like that. It's I become something as I'm with him. And life confronts me. And he responds. Yeah. And all of a sudden, things that used to hurt me, I realize don't even hurt me anymore because I'm thinking different. I have different motives. Things are changing. My emotions are even different. Oh, my goodness. I'm being changed. And then you weep and cry and you want to be alone with him all the more because you realize I'm being changed and transformed as I'm with him. And as I step out into life, he responds. And I'm not trying to live the word. The words become flesh. There's a difference. Oh, man, that's just, that's straight up good preaching right there. That's the miracle. I love that, Tommy. That was that excited me that you had that perception. Sure. <laughs> Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That sounds pretty good at this point. Verse 10. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. So that's how we reveal God. Nobody has just personally seen God in the personal sense of God just saying, ta-da. That's what the Bible says. I mean, I feel like I've seen God in so many ways. I feel like he's been in my room so many times. But yet nobody has seen God. So I'm not just, here's a good example of that scripture. Thank you. This is awesome. Getting revelation while I'm talking. So can you just play God for me for a little? Can you be God just in a moment of humility? Okay. No, come on, God. So here's God. We're holding hands, walking through the cool of the day. And I'm coming up and I say, hey, Tommy. Man, I want you to meet somebody. This is God. See, nobody's seen God. I can't just take God to the person and introduce and Tommy shake his hand. But God's in me. No, it's not going to happen. But watch. But God's in me. So watch. See? You see what I'm saying? But he's, he's right here. He loves me so much. Like, oh, no. No. Right? So when I meet Tommy, guess who Tommy's meeting? Oh, God. Oh, just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Do you get it? Nobody's seen God at any time. That's good. But if we love one another, he's being revealed. Yes. Why? Because he's living through us. And he abides in us. Yes. And he loves my beard. <laughs> awesome! Okay, thank you. Missy, I'm nailing it, girl. 
Thanks for being God for just a moment. Man, it felt so warm. Tender. You guys get the Hey, that was a great illustration. I don't know if I ever should put anybody through that again, but you handled it so well. So let's skip down here to verse 17. Love has been perfected among us. Well, this is, sounds like a, a consummation verse. This is where we're heading, right? So all of a sudden, we didn't just have a Sunday morning and you show up and I get passionate and intense and have a fun illustration. This is how we know love's been perfected among us. That we all have boldness in the day of judgment. Not fear and trembling, not hiding under rocks and trees as we face the glory of His presence. People that don't know Him are freaked out. It's called a day of darkness and gloom. Because they took their one gift, God-given life, and splurged it on whatever, probably themselves. And unless a seed dies to the ground, or falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies and falls to the ground, it will spring up. Bear much fruit. And in this the Father's well pleased. That you bear much fruit and your fruit remain. Oh, this is so solid to me. It makes my heart happy. This is how we know love has been perfected in this. That we have boldness in the day of judgment. How is that possible? Watch. Remember it says he is love. He is love. It says it a couple times right there. This is how we know. Because as he, he is, as he is, he is, as he is, so are we. Remember the illustration? So are we right now in this world. That's right. We are not living for that day. Today is the day. Now is the day. Now it's come. But in the sense of faith, we're living for that day. So we're running well today because it's taking us to that day. But don't miss the glory of now. That's good. You get it? Because yeah. as he is, so are we. So even in this family, youngsters that are just growing and learning, just stepping up into towards teen stuff, just getting older, get it. they have this privilege of doing one or the other, right? Animosity, one does a little something, instead of reacting to it, covering it with love, understanding, purposing to bring out the best. You say, oh, that's a chore. No young kids are going to live that way. Well, if the parents are going after this, modeling this, and teaching this, and imparting this, you might be amazed how we grow up with a conscious conviction and awareness. And even if we're not nailing it down, it'll stick in youngsters. And when they grow old, they won't depart. Because it's conviction. It's alive. And it'll speak. You see it? That's just a good call to even parents, right? You know, we're so, we're so sentimental sometimes. We do the child dedications and we dress them up all frilly. We just say we're dedication. We cry and we present them to the Lord. A child dedication is really a parent dedication. You're dedicating the parents to train them up in the way they should go and model a life he paid for. Not call them to something. Model it. And the modeling it is what invites them in. Yeah? Not just, hey, I'm going to trust my kids with God. God, I hope you get a strong grip on them. i got enough challenges that it is. I don't know how I can handle all these kids. I'm just going to dedicate them to you. <laughs> and then you go all and live and fret and fuss. And... No, no, no. You model You man, you say, well, I've really blew that then, man. If that's the feel condemned. No, no, no. You only blew it if you fail to step in. Step in. 
let the next few months of your life look so different that the last few months get overwhelmed. Let the thing he imparts through you now cancel out the things you fear. Let it be redemptive and great change. Yes. Amen? Amen? It's not about failing, it's about becoming. His blood is amazing. It doesn't empower sin, it removes sin. It's not enabling us, it's changing us. Yes. Don't be afraid to preach this gospel this way. Yeah? yeah? So it's only time alone, it's only getting with him, where love's revealed, where knowing him's revealed, that's where you change. Nothing compares to your ability to be with him. You'll never get to know him. Look, we just did a little illustration. We met a couple years ago. Saw his heart worship, yay, he saw my heart, he talked a little, shot me an email even a little later. That's the extent that we know one another. We just had a little fun doing this, but we hung out for a whole week. A whole week. Had to drive together, hang out, spend six, eight, seven, ten hours a day, whatever. For a whole week. At the end of that week, when I heard his name, when he heard my name, it's more than all oh, I sat under him preaching, yeah, we met. We, all of a sudden, he could endearly say and, and richly say, oh my goodness, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know. And I would say, yeah, I know. See, I can read my Bible and I can listen to sermons and I can talk about him just because I've been around him. There's a big difference between talking about him and knowing him. And until I sit and sit with him and feel like and believe I've looked into his eyes and communed. I remember I treasured his word when I got saved because I realized I'd find him through his word. And I heard the Lord whisper in my heart. Some people question, you heard his voice? He spoke this right to me. I opened up my Bible to read one day and I didn't even get any prayer out or anything. He just froze me and this is what I heard. This is your face-to-face -face encounter with me. And I was like, oh, that is so good to me. And then he whispered and said, no one looks into my face and lives. I thought, oh my goodness, this is where I get to know him and who I am apart from him dies. So that who he is in me lives. I'm looking into his face and dying to everything I've ever been so I can live to everything he created. That's what he told me. He said, this is your face-to-face -face encounter with me. And no one looks into my face and lives. Oh, I was so happy. I was so ready to die. Be excited about dying. Because in Christianity, you can't live until you die. Seriously, get somebody faith, though. Get them to water baptize you. Hold you under until the bubbles are gone. Get in faith. No, don't do that. I don't want to read about that. Pastor Dan said, there you go. You just hold them under. And know that when you go under, you're dying. It's a sign of death. So when you come up, surely as God raised Jesus by the glory of the Father, so shall you be raised in the newness of life. It's all about dying to live. You did it? So be with him. You have the privilege. We have another session at two. We're going to pray for lunch. I'm going to pray. Just pray something over you guys. I'm not going to pray or do any other kind of ministry right now. Just a teaching time. Uh, and then I'll let Tommy go over the details for what we're doing. Okay? Can we pray? Yeah. So don't just don't just listen to me corporately pray. Respond right now. Take a minute and respond from your heart. Whatever convicted you, wherever you're at right now, in light of what you heard, make contact with the Lord. And if you feel like you haven't been living anywhere near this thing, just admit that. Say, wow, Lord, spoke to me today. Thank you. I have more than hope in you. This isn't about where I haven't been. This is about where I'm heading. It's not about failing. It's about becoming. I don't have a long way to go. I have somewhere to go. Thank you for following me.
Come on, that's how you have to respond. Be redemptive in your motives. You don't leave a service like this and get overwhelmed and say, boy, I'm, I don't even know if I'm saved. No, you leave a service like this and say, man, you put light on the trail. You sure remove some darkness. You got the attention of my heart, and I'm willing and ready to become everything you paid for. So, Father, I ask grace to cover this room. Father, I ask grace to so touch our lives and change our lives that you touch the areas in which we live, the influence we've all been granted. I pray that it's impossible, literally, I ask this, Lord, that it would become impossible for our spheres of influence not to be impacted because our lives truly have been. Let love be evangelistic in our lives. Let us not have to try to carry that banner. Let us not be under the pressure of evangelism. Let us be under the privilege of love and let light so shine before men that they see our lives and give you great glory. I bless this house. I pray for this room of people. I even pray for this region, God. And I just believe it's all connected. And I just believe it's impossible to become love and people not be aware of who you are. So love them through us because you've loved us well. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you. Bless you for this morning. Thanks for your time. Go ahead, Pastor Tommy. Give that a hand. If you enjoyed this message, please visit danmolerarchive.com to find over 2,500 more messages from Dan, all organized by category, playlist, and search. Enjoy.